This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. It was about 10 months ago that Orchard Therapeutics acquired the gene therapy portfolio of GSK, expanding Orchard's pipeline and giving it its first approved therapy. We spoke to Orchard CEO Mark Rothera about his company's approach to gene therapy, its pipeline, and what he sees as the biggest challenges as Orchard moves to commercializing its therapies. Mark, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's a great pleasure. Thank you for the invitation, Danny. We're going to talk about Orchard Therapeutics, gene therapy, and the company's approach to gene therapy. Perhaps we can start on the technical side. Orchard has a portfolio of autologous ex vivo gene therapies. Can you describe for listeners what that approach is? Sure. So, yes, autologous ex vivo lentiviral gene therapy. It's a big mouthful, I know. But what that really means is um, we take stem cells, hemopoietic or blood stem cells from a patient that carry the defective gene. We, we isolate those, we purify them, and then what we do is we insert a working copy of that defective gene using a lentiviral vector to carry that gene into the cell and insert into the DNA. And essentially, that gives rise to gene-modified stem cells, which we then put back into the patient so that they engraft in the bone marrow of the patient. And then the patient is able to produce new cells from those which actually carry the working copy of the gene. And that's really the basis on which we're able to transform outcomes for patients for the longer term. And what are the advantages of this type of approach? Is it, is it better suited for certain types of disease compared to alternative approaches? Yeah, I think it gives rise to the ability to treat a whole range of different diseases such as immune deficiencies or neurometabolic diseases or blood cell disorders. And the reason for that is the blood stem cell, the hemopoietic stem cell, gives rise to a lot of different uh, blood cell lineages, uh, such as you know immune cells or macrophages or platelets and so on. It, they give rise to these blood cell lineages, which themselves can help correct the problem in these different disease categories. So at Orchard, we focus on treating, at this time, a whole range of immune deficiencies, 
we're treating uh, neurometabolic disorders, and we also have a program uh, in blood cell disorders for transfusion-dependent beta-thalassemia. So we've shown by correcting the stem cell, you can actually fundamentally change the course of a patient's life and disease with a whole range of different diseases. It's now almost a year since you announced plans to acquire GSK's gene therapy portfolio. This included Stromvalis, which was a, a groundbreaking therapy approved in 2016. With the passage of time, what, what has this deal done for, for Orchard? Well, I mean, with the passage of time, uh, a lot of things have become, I think, clearer as to how to best bring these to patients and families around the world with these different um, diseases, uh, the kind of diseases I've talked about, many of which have little or no treatment options today. So, for example, uh, I mentioned, you know, this field has now evolved to using, for the most part, the lentiviral vector. Uh, the lentiviral vector has been designed in a way that allows you to insert that working copy of the defective gene and also do so in a way that has been demonstrated not only to be efficient, but, you know, has, we've seen long-term a good safety profile with the use of the lentiviral vector. I think the other thing that we've sort of learned is we also want to make this whole process user-friendly for patients. And families, so um, this uh, the cryopreservation, uh, the freezing of those gene-modified stem cells, once you've created those gene-modified stem cells, allow you to ship those all over the world to where patients are being treated. So rather than, say, having families uh, and patients traveling to one or two centers in the world to do this, you can actually do the gene modification procedure at a manufacturing site and then ship those back as frozen gene-modified stem cells to where the patients and families are. So that's a lot more, I think, user-friendly. Can you explain for listeners what ADA SCIDS is and, and how it's diagnosed, the, the prognosis for someone with the condition? Yeah, ADA skid or bubble baby disease is a really good example of a severe immune deficiency. So these babies are born with no functioning immune system. They have no lymphocytes. That means they can catch lots of different infections very easily and they cannot fight infection. An untreated life expectancy is of the order of one year. And so, you know, in our um, core registration data set that we have uh, already sort of made public. Uh, we've shown that in 20 patients uh, with two years of follow-up in the core registration data set, we see not only 100% survival out to two years, but we see 100% event-free survival. And so I think it's really because we're able to uh, allow the patient's own immune system to recover you know, and lymphocytes be produced, that these patients are then able to fight infections themselves. So these babies, as they grow, can fight infections themselves and provide long-term durable um, improvement and uh, outlook for patients. Of course, uh, the ADA-SCID treatment that is currently approved is Strimbellus in Europe. 
and uh, that is available uh, in Milan, in Italy, and we're also developing uh, a lentiviral vector-based OTL101 program that we're looking to file with the FDA in 2020. I do want to talk about OTL101, but let me ask you about Stromvalis. This was a product that GSK struggled with as, as a commercial product. What happened? So it's a, it's a tremendous therapy in the sense that, as I've just described, it allows for patients to have a functioning immune system and to protect themselves from infection. So from a medical breakthrough point of view, it's a really great therapy and is available to patients today in Europe as it's reimbursed and available, uh, you know, through treatment in Italy. Now, in terms of practicalities, it is what's called a fresh cell formulation, which I think I mentioned to you. Our goal is to have cryopreserved formulations available going forward. And that means that being a fresh cell formulation, the patient and family have to travel to that one center in Milan in Italy to be treated and have to be there potentially for weeks, maybe even months, pre and post treatment, rather than, say, a family being treated near their home at the local specialty center. So I think from a, a commercial point of view, that is, you know, it is a barrier to adoption when you think about what that requires of families, you know, to travel to another country and to be there for potentially weeks or months. That said, it is clearly a treatment that can really help the outlook for patients and families, and therefore that's an important trade-off to think about. The second point that uh, is also a practical point is um, imagine you are a German patient and you are reimbursed through the German reimbursement system, but you want to have a procedure that is in Milan in Italy. Well, that requires persuading the German insurance system to support a treatment in another country. And clearly that in itself adds additional complexity. So Strimbelis was a fantastic innovation. It really helped patients. And I think what we're going to do going forward with the entire portfolio that we have beyond Strimbelis is make sure that they are cryopreserved gene therapies, which can be available to patients in their local country, at their local specialty center, and, you know, ensure that this is as easy for both them and the reimbursement systems, which will be, you know, able to reimburse this procedure in their own country. Is the expectation that OTL 101 will replace Strombolis, or will you still offer both therapies? Yeah, our first priority with OTL 101 is to make it available in the U.S. and other countries around the world where there is no gene therapy option, right? It's only in Europe today that Strimbalis is available. And then in time, we will also introduce uh, OTL 101 into Europe. And then I think, you know, the great thing for patients is they'll have two choices. And in terms of OTL 101, where are you in development and, and what do we know about the therapy to date? So OTL 101 uh, has finished all its uh, registration trial work. Um, we have now treated more than 60 patients and we've actually followed the longest patient going out to six and a half years. So the key Step to filings are really to complete some work 
that uh, bridges, as I mentioned, from a fresh cell formulation to a cryo formulation, which will allow us to launch with the cryo formulation. And really, uh, we've guided to a 2020 filing for this program in the United States. Let's talk about the, the rest of your pipeline. You're actually in three categories, primary immune deficiency, neurometabolic disorders, and, and hemoglobin therapies. You have therapies in development for San Filippo type A and B, but within the neurometabolic disorder area, OTL200 is your most advanced candidate. This is a, a gene therapy for MLD. What's MLD? How does it progress? And, and what's the prognosis today for someone with the condition? Yeah, thank you for that question. MLD is an example of a neurometabolic disorder. It is a very fast-progressing rare disease, which causes a loss of motor function, so your ability to move, and also cognitive function. And in its infantile form, uh, life expectancy is between 5 and 10 years old. And so it's very fast-progressing, you know, before the age of five, maybe around three, uh, kids born with MLD are generally in a vegetative state. So, and there is no treatment option today for, for these children. And what is, I think, a great cause for, for hope and optimism for not only MLD, but for other neurometabolic disorders where essentially you're trying to treat the brain is that we have seen transformative potential within our MLD program. We've now treated 32 patients, uh, 20 of them in a core registration trial, and we have seen in many cases with siblings that were included in this trial, one of which was unfortunately too advanced to be included in the program, and one of which was younger and diagnosed as a result of the older sibling, a, a dramatic difference between the outcomes in both populations. So what we really see here is a transformative potential that could allow these patients born with MLD instead of an early demise having a normal life. And what would a path to approval be? Yeah, the... Um, the goal is that we have publicly stated is to file this in 2020 also, uh, but starting with the European Medicines Agency, followed by the FDA. Um, and the path is actually very similar to what I just um, announced for OTL 101, which is we're just bridging from the uh, fresh cell product to a cryo product because we would like to launch with a cryopreserved gene-modified stem cells for the reasons I outlined earlier. As you look ahead to commercializing these therapies, where do you think the biggest challenges you face are going to be? I think there's a number of areas. I've, I've had the privilege to bring seven orphan drugs to the world, and I've worked the last 20 years in the field of rare diseases. And there are a number of challenges that I would say are, are, are typical for rare diseases, especially ones where there has previously been no treatment. And that's a lot to do with you know, disease awareness, having a, a clear and an efficient diagnostic pathway, including such things as newborn screening. Because without 
a treatment option, quite often uh, these you know these diagnostic pathways are not very efficient, not well well done. There's not a lot of motivation in the system to diagnose patients when there's no treatment option. So I think our job is to work with the communities to try and ensure there is more awareness that a treatment option is on its way to put in place the diagnostic pathways that may be deficient right now and ensure that the system is ready to treat patients who have the chance of you know, a normal life relative to the current trajectory. And then I think the other area of challenge will be to make sure that the treatment centers, the hospitals, specialty hospitals, are well prepared to ensure patients are treated well, uh, including you know, conditioning those patients to receive those gene-modified stem cells to ensure that there's the best possible likelihood of a good outcome for each patient. Mark Rivera, CEO of Orchard Therapeutic. Mark, thanks so much for your time today. You're very welcome. I appreciate the call. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.